Okay, we're going to go ahead and get started and we'll open with a prayer. Father, indeed, as we have come here uh, to talk about and discuss and meditate upon thy word and how it applies to our relationships and our uh, communication with our children, we pray that you'd help us to indeed uh, be Christ-like in everything that we do. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Okay, how to talk to your unconverted children. You know, when this uh, topic was given to me, I asked, well, you, can you expand a little bit? You know, can you give me more information? You know, what are we talking about? Five-year-olds or 20-year-olds? What are we talking about here? And they gave me nothing. Nothing. Um, so, indeed, okay, um, I, I did want to start, so I... I interviewed some people. I went and I found some people, some souls, that had converted later in life. Uh, some as late as 34, 30, 34, uh, 23, some people in between. And so I have a lot of quotes from, I asked them some questions. I said, you know, what were the things that were holding you back? What were the things that were helpful? What were the things that were hurtful, that you felt were hurtful? So uh, anytime you see at the top of the slide says testimony, uh, and then I have a little description of what this part of the testimony was about. This is from one of those, those souls. And this is what they perceived was either helpful or harmful in their walk or in, on their road to the walk. Um, but the first quote I'm going to share with you here is one about the silver bullet. Do you know what is the silver bullet? Can talk, somebody talk to me about what that means? Does, if I say, you know, we're looking for that silver bullet, what, what is it? The Lone Ranger. Indeed, that's... It actually came before him, it turns out. Okay? Yes. Right, all of a sudden... So it's, you know, basically when I went back, actually, I, I went back because um, this, this soul had put in there that I don't believe that there's any one specific thing somebody could have said to me that would have been a silver bullet of salvation. And I think this is important for us. It was wholly up to me the entire time. And the very instant I was ready to turn from my path in life to look to see where God was, he was instantly there. So this is important. I think in our lives, um, you know, the next slide is, why are you here? Give me some example. You know, if you can just give me some, why are you here? I see all different ages. And I know some of you don't have really old children, and I don't, you know, some of you have passed that time. Why are you here? You want to learn from experience, okay, yes? Unconverted brother, so he's, he's older. 40, yes. Three unconverted children, yes. And how old are they? 13, yes. 15, 40, yes. 15, 19, okay, yes. Unconverted father, okay. So, sorry, so unconverted father, there's a lot of people with young unconverted and old unconverted and brothers and sisters and just people in general that are unconverted, right? Um, so indeed, you know, are they, are they, come on, Mr., Mr., okay, Stacy, run. My five-year-old, my 10-year-old, my 15-year-old, my 20-year-old, go up the line, why are you know, there's there's people that are at risk. I remember um, I have I had she passed away now uh, an aunt 
my great aunt. It was my grandfather's youngest sister. And my, my grandfather was a Pamer. She, my great aunt was, um, she married out, but her main name was Pamer. And the Pamers, I, we're, we're talking back in, you know, 19, see, my grandfather was born in 1905, right? So we're talking the 20s, right? His father had a lot of children, and half of them converted, and half of them didn't. So my uncle Bill Pamer, which is the father of the one you might know, oh, I might have known, um, he was his brother, right? That's how we're related. And I remember talking to my Aunt Esther, and she was one of the ones that never converted. And I said, you know, so tell me, just going back in years, what, there was this divide. There was this split between them. The, the children that didn't convert didn't like the children that converted. There was a problem. And all I can get was something happened. Right? Something happened. You know, that's a pretty powerful thing. Something happened. And it turns out that there's a lot of things that happened. So um, we are going to start young. So starting young, always speak the truth to your children. What does that mean? So I'll give you a couple experiences that I had from my memory. I remember that on the side of our house, kind of on the back side that you never went to, but kids go there because they're running around the house, there was a bush and there were berries on that bush and I was eating those berries. For years I was eating those berries. And I came around the corner once and I had the berries in my hand and my mother said, don't eat those berries, they're poisonous. You know, I don't know how, let's see, I must have been six, seven. But I remember thinking, it, it just changed my whole mindset. Mom doesn't know everything, right? <laughs> I just thought that, and it changed my life. Okay? I remember, and you know, I'm, I'm just picturing in my mind, you know, Dad was here, and I was here, we were driving in the car, and somehow I asked, when you turn on the headlights, does it take more gas to, to do that? And he said, no. And I thought, and I thought, and I realized thereafter that he was wrong. Okay? Now, in essence, it's true. It's, it's not really measurable. You would never be able to measure that under, except under incredible circumstances, right? Controlled circumstances. But that power doesn't come for free. Right? And... Once again, uh, I, I think back, and in my parenting, I just have been sensitive to this, that if I get a question like this, instead of saying no, I say, well, it does, but it's very, 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 very small, right? To the best of my ability, I'm going to take that extra time to be as truthful as possible, even to the point that I might not, not answer them. I can't, no, I shouldn't say that. I would say, I don't know, we'll have to, you know, we'll have to go and find that out, right? Because I don't want them to think that I'm making things up. People make things up all the time and they don't have to. Right? So it's very important that from a very young age all the way through our lives, and really when we're talking about this, we're talking about us. You can't change your child, especially the ones that have been, you know, they, it's too late, so to speak. It's been so many years it hasn't changed yet, right? The only thing you can do uh, is... Do exactly what God wants you to do. And if you haven't been changed to do that, you can change yourself with God's help. You can't really change anybody else. So, always speak the truth. Say what you mean. Is there a water bottle? Anybody have a water bottle? I might be using it. Okay, I'll use this one. 
I can tell. Okay. Say what you mean. So when I was a new parent, uh, there was Daniel. I don't know if you know my son Daniel, my oldest son. And we were sitting in the living room. And I think we had some company over. It didn't really matter. Uh, he was probably one, just, just walking. And he was heading over for the light socket, wall socket. And I saw him heading over there, and I thought, I don't want him over there. Um, so what did I say to him? I said, come here. Now, I did not tell him to, you know, don't go near the light socket or the wall socket. There's electricity there. You might get shocked. I don't want you to play. No, I just said, come here. And then he, he started coming right away. And I was sitting there, and I must not have done anything. I was just sitting there because all of a sudden I turn him around. He turns around and starts walking away. And I kind of realized, oh, I had said come here. But then really when he got there, I, I didn't want anything, right? I didn't communicate to him clearly what was going on. And so as he's walking back to the light socket, I thought, oh, what did I just do, Right? What I wanted was keep away from the light socket. What I said was come here. Two separate things. So then I corrected myself. No, no, no. Okay, let me talk to you a little bit about this, right? This is a light socket. There's electricity there. It can shock you. Uh, we didn't take it apart. I, I do remember later on in life <laughs> when I was actually in a room uh, switching out a, a receptacle. Um, Bethany came in, and she was probably also one or so. And, you know, she was sitting there, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm in trouble. Because here I'm working on a live socket. I shouldn't have been working on a live socket, but um, here I'm working on it. And now she's going to be curious. And now, when I'm not around, she's going to go do what Dad did. So I'm thinking there, and thinking there. And the wires are just sticking out there. And she wants, she wants to touch it. And I thought, well, she's not grounded, really, you know. <laughs> and I said, okay, you know, and she reaches over and she touches it. And she looks at me. I said, see, okay, she's done. You know, her curiosity was satisfied. She didn't die. Um, okay. Now, I don't recommend this, right? But, but. You have to remember, you, you have to think like the child, right? Dad's doing this, why can't I do this? And then you have to explain why, right? You have to explain why. So, always speak the truth and say what you mean, and that is a hard thing to get in the habit of and do. Um, what else? Was there a third one? Fourth one? Okay, listen to them. We just had this, uh, Eric and Kezia, they were staying in the same room. Uh, she, uh, Kezia was telling me, uh, their little boy, Luke, mommy, and this was not today, this is in the past, um, I'm so hot, I need another blanket. No, you, you mean you're cold, you need a blanket. No, I'm hot, I need a blanket, another blanket, I need another blanket. So, you know, they, they try to take the blanket away. No, I need another blanket. They, they give him two blankets, and they wrapped him up, and he went to sleep, and he's so hot, and he wake him up, and he was just miserable. Three days, I think, it went on. And finally, they realized that he needed another blanket. He needed a different blanket, another type of blanket, right? Ah. And so we get into these, these are troubles that we have to go through, right? 
So listen. And when it doesn't make sense, don't say, oh, he just doesn't understand. No, they understand. Maybe they don't got the nuances down, but he understands he was hot and he needed a different type of blanket. And, even, and the way he was saying it didn't make sense, but he was really making sense. Train. Okay. Um, can you get that other one? Okay, testimony. When I got to a point where I can be open and honest with my dad about specific struggles, things started to move for me spiritually. What do you think about this comment? This is just a comment somebody made, converted later in life. And you, you'd be thinking, wow, why is it taking so long? You know, this soul is just, you know, what's, what's up? Right? When I got to a point where I can be open and honest with my dad about specific struggles. So there's a couple things here. Um, souls have struggles. There are things in our lives that we're ashamed of, that we are struggling with, we can't figure out. And... We need to have somebody that we can be open with and honest with. And in that case, um, even though I would say that in that case, I kind of know the situation, right? I know the father. I'm thinking he would be open and honest. But it still took that soul a long time to be able to, to connect and then to come out with what they were really struggling with. So understand that a lot of times you're not knowing what they're struggling with. It's deep down inside them, but you have to be a person that would be open and honest, that they can trust, okay? Understand that. Okay. Communicate joy and hope, right? A lot of times we're worried about their souls going to hell, right? And there's fire and brimstone. And in the home, you know, there's just a lot of concern about this. But, you know, that's all true. Not, that's not true. But is that your focus, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, right? Um, does that define you? Does that define your household? Is there joy in your house? Do the children love being in your house? Is there happiness? Is there... Um, Joking and talking and just, just a great family atmosphere, right? Is there a reason? Do you love God? You know, show that you love God, right? Do you have joy and peace? These are the fruits of the Spirit. Are the fruits of the Spirit? So if you want to know, if you look in your book, it says sometimes use words when necessary, right? So most of it is that you're not talking to them using words, saying magic bullet words that will just make them crumble and, and fall before the Lord and confess their sins. No, you are living a life that is full of love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That means that, you know what? We're going to have to suffer a little bit, right? We have to put up with some stuff, right? And, and I, I, the more I think about it, every time I hear somebody leaves the church, I thought, you know, you're missing the key point, persons. God wants us to be long-suffering. And here we are, and let's say we're in a marriage, right? Yes, I love you, dear, but I'm going to go live over here, right? I'm not going to be with you. I love you, but I'm not going to spend any time with you. I love you, but, you know, there, it's just full of falseness, hypocrisy. There's no love there. Love is, no, I want to spend time with you. I want to be with you, right? Love, this is what love is, and this is what the children feel. 
I remember another time I was sitting at the computer doing whatever computer stuff you do, email, whatever. I'm sitting there in the um, living room and one of the kids comes up to me and it's just like, you know, Daddy, I'm here. Yeah, I see you there. And I keep on going. And about the third time I finally got, oh, you know what? There's a little body here. And they're looking for my attention. And they're looking for my time. Right? So, um, we have to have a life full of long suffering, gentleness, goodness, meaning we need to be able to work together, have temperance, have all the fruits of the Spirit, right? And then down here um, in 1 Peter 1 3, going down to verse 8, um, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory. That, if you read this, I put the whole thing there, we're not going to read it, uh, but it's talking about trials of your faith. They'll be tried by fire, and at the end it's joy, joy unspeakable, right? Are you living a life that you can consider being joyful? Am I living a life that I would say is joyful? If you're not, you need to conform to the image of Christ. You need to conform to what the scripture says because that's going to affect how your significant other people, right, are going to see Christianity. You're, you're, you are the, the Bible that somebody never reads. Okay, when necessary, use words. Uh, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We know this one, right? Okay. So there is a lot of training. Um, I remember when we were first married, we had uh, Daniel, and they were sitting at the table there. We were sitting at the table, and uh, broccoli. How many here like Broccoli. Okay, how many here don't like broccoli? And I remember Lori's feeding Daniel broccoli. And he gags, right? And she says, stop that. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? You can't stop that. <laughs> but he stopped. He stopped. Right? That's interesting. You know, I'm not going to go down that road myself, but... <laughs> uh, there was a training involved. Right? And there was a constant training. Um, yeah, it was sometimes we, oh, we got to teach memory verses, we got to teach them. But, you know, if we're going out in public situations, you know, you explain things ahead of time. Training involves ahead of time thinking, not in the moment thinking, right? And so when you want to teach your child to not run away when you call them, you don't go to the store and let them run away and say, hey, hey, you just go chasing them, right? No, you start, and you sit down with them, and you put them like that far away, and it's like, okay, come here. And they come. Oh, you give them a hubsy, give them a little goldfish, and then it's like, okay, you put them a little farther, it's like, okay, come here. And then they come, and you give them another goldfish, right? And I don't want to say it's like training your animals, okay? <laughs> but the truth is that you have to be purposeful in your training. You have to be purposeful. And I do remember um, at a time where I was doing roofing, we had a shed, and all of a sudden there was, I don't know, a three-year-old standing on top of the roof. It's like, okay, you know, just stay there. <laughs> and they stayed there, right? And you can go get them, as opposed to wandering, you know, do whatever else he was going to do, not doing what they wanted to do. You're saying it's a result of lack of training. No, or you don't see that it is. No, because we all have our free wills. 
Okay? And going back to that very first slide, um, that soul was saying, you know what, there's no silver bullet. No matter how bad your parents are, you know, there's no promise that they're going to be converted. Yes? Amen. Yeah, you, I, this goes back, yes. The training starts with yourself first before you can teach it to your children. Thank you. Okay, don't transfer your baggage. What does this mean? You know, a lot of people have baggage. You know, are you, we're, you know you're in the car, you're tearing down the church, you're talking about church pride, you're talking about all the bad things. That, some people just think this way. This is how their mind is. And they're always sad about it. And it's not just church, it's every part of their life, right? They go to work, they're, they're upset at work, they're upset at church, they're upset at everything. You know what? Stop it. Just stop it. You know, this is the body of Christ. You can't be tearing it down, right? It's like, I have a hangnail. I'm going to get that hangnail. And then you rip it off. Oh, that hurts, you know? There's another one. I'm going to do it again, right? All of a sudden, you're bleeding, and we just don't learn, and somehow we enjoy this, right? We're going to go after those hangnails, right? Just stop it. If you are like this, your children are going to be like this. Your action, this is uh, Emerson's quote, your actions speak so loudly I cannot hear what you are saying. Right? More is caught than taught. These are important things. Okay. Prodigal son's father. What do you think about the prodigal son's father? Well, he doesn't have a name, does he? No. Uh, the, but we know the story, right? Here's the, here's the whole story. Was he a good dad or a bad dad? Good dad? Okay. Depends on who you ask. Okay, we're going to get there. We're going to get there, okay? Let's go to this. I mean, come on. When I see that his son, his youngest son, ask him for his half or whatever, would you do that? Nah. You know, I, in my mind, I'm saying no way. Okay, but he does it. Okay, he does it. Um, his son goes off. His son wastes his substance, right? And I love this verse 17. And when he, this is the son. He's in the pigsty. He has nothing to eat. And when he came to himself, he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against earth. So let's go back. Is he a good father? He has taught his son that there is a heaven. And even though he went his own way, there's no guarantee, right? They're going to go their own way. Um, what was that quote about the Satanist? I don't have to. I, I just have to do what I want to do, right? You know, that's Satan's way. Hmm? Yeah, if I serve myself, that, that's all I need to do, right? So this young man went and served himself, but his father had taught him that there was a heaven and there was, an earth, uh, and, and there was a, a God that had uh, accountability, and yet he knew that if he went back home, he'd be accepted. So he's accepted. Um, what about that older son? He doesn't think his dad's so great, right? Okay. So this father has two sons with problems, right? We always think he had one son with problems. He had two sons with problems. And so what does he say to that other son? His son was angry. And he said a couple good things. You know, he put the son at rest. Because the son's thinking, hey, my brother's coming back. This is not fair, right? He's going to get more. So his father wisely says, son, you know what? He's not getting any more. All that I have is yours. Let's just put that to bed. But then he goes on to say, but hey, 
Let's get the big picture. Your brother was dead, right? Now he's alive. He, he understood and he communicated to his older son the big picture. And sometimes we have to do that. Hopefully they get it. What about here? Okay. Accomplishments matter. So it's a testimony. Uh, even if you don't care one little bit about anything your child does apart from being a Christian, don't act like their accomplishment outside of conversion don't matter to you. For me, that would have made me incredibly bitter and I would have started to resent Christianity. So as our children grow, as they go off, it's important to, hey, I, I, I still want to connect. I still want to be part of you. I still want to be with you. Right? Um, my mother died when she was uh, 60, pretty young. And I remember as I was growing up, I had you know got a job and you know, she just wanted to talk. You know, young boys, they yeah, no. I wasn't being, trying to be rude or, un, I just didn't have much to say, right? And so a lot of times we might misread that as he's just putting up a wall or whatever. You know, young men just, they don't think too much, right? As I look back, it's like, oh, now I kind of get what they, they, you know, now I get it. But it took another 40 years or whatever it was. Okay, another testimony. I, I didn't do something strictly because my parents told me not to. So um, this person wasn't rebellious, right? There's rebellious where I'm going to do it just to spite you all. But they, it wasn't. I would only do something if I wanted to, usually out of curiosity. The single most effective thing my parents ever did for me was to maintain a loving and close relationship with me. They would never compromise their spiritual convictions, to stay close, but they would do unexpected things that showed me that they valued spending time with me. One time, Dad, along with my brothers and I, oh, oh, sorry, one time, Dad came along with my brothers and I to a shooting range. We all knew he had very little interest in shooting, but the fact that he wanted to spend time with his boys meant a lot to me. This closeness alongside a striking lack of hypocrisy in my parents was a strong testimony to me. So they're looking. You know, are we, are we practicing what we're preaching, right? Uh, so, spending time going out of your way. You might not be interested in whatever they're doing, but hey, you get some time to be with them, you're going to do that. Okay. Another surefire way was that made me not give somebody spiritual encouragement much of a second thought was if somehow I got the impression that it was a person ticket off a box in their Christian duty checklist, Right? I'm not saying that each person who spoke to me didn't have a genuine burden for loss, but some people could effectively communicate that genuine emotion better than others. You know, I am guilty, right? I'm kind of, my, I don't do emotion well. Um, you know, really you're not, I don't have a checklist, right? I'm not just trying to check you off of my checklist. But some people are. They, they're not thinking about uh, salvation correctly. They're just saying, you know, I need to do this, I need to do this, and... Uh, kind of going about it in the wrong way. Um, but the souls feel it, right? And so it's important for us to change how we are. Change how we are. It's not acceptable to not be good at it. Uh, it's not about you. These are unhelpful thoughts. A lot of times as parents, we think my reputation as a good parent is being jeopardized by your poor choices, child, right? These things are going through our mind. Um, Pride is what made the devil the devil. 
right? He lofted himself up. Pride is what made the devil the devil. And we need to be very careful about this thought. It may come through our mind, but it has nothing to do with the soul. And our actions and our words can't show or betray that if it's in there, right? shouldn't be there. But we do have that pride, right? Okay. Um, submarines. You know submarines? When they, they're cruising along the surface, and here comes the big warship. What happens? Dive, 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 dive. They're gone away, right? So persistent questioning by parents can be a big turnoff and a source of hardening if the child is not interested or rebellious. Uh, it's always appropriate. So let's talk about this rebelliousness, right? Now you've kind of got to this relationship where you're the big warship and you're coming around and you're this, your, your child, right, is the submarine. Dive, dive, dive down to safety, right? They're just going to shut you down, right? So there's this balance. There's this balance. And we're going to talk a little bit about ways around this, um, but as parents, sometimes when you see that they're pulling way back, when they're diving and you have no connection down there, you know, what, on the things you want to talk about, you've got to be able to avoid that. You know, you, if they're diving down to 300 feet, you can't talk to them. So bring them up. Don't be that warship. Don't be this attacker that's going to sink them. They need to know. It's always appropriate, though, for parents to consistently show their child that they care about their spiritual state. So that's just the hard part. You know, you, if you're trying to show in your way, and they are still diving, that's not the right way. You've got to figure out how to show that you care about them, but they all need to know that they're loved. Okay? Ask questions the right way. Kids, this is another, you know, excerpt from uh, uh, some answers. Kids won't start talking of their own volition about spiritual things many times. Parents should always be open to talking about, and shouldn't be afraid to ask their kids open-ended questions from time to time about their spiritual life. The way the question is asked is important. They shouldn't put your kids on defensive. So you don't want to make them dive, 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 right? But you can ask you know, these open-ended questions. Um, yeah, I, I think of Christ, just that the, the woman who was caught in adultery, right? She's, you know, she sinned. She's guilty. Woman, where are thy accusers, right? He, he didn't just, he, he, he gave some questions there, right? He made her think about it a little bit. And it's amazing what can come out if you're asking questions. Take their questions seriously. Uh, when children are young, they might have their first expression of fear of hell. Many parents say, don't worry, you're too young. Uh, but as parents, we need to understand and take them seriously. Okay, so, you know, what's that age? What's an age where they're starting to think about hell and heaven and, and they're accountable? Eight? God knows? Okay. You know, I can tell you. Right. There's a lot of this, right? And it, it starts early, right? And, you know, in our church, we, we have conversion and membership are kind of the same, right? And right around 12, 13, 14, you know, that's where we say, Okay, you can become a member of the church and, and we baptize you and, and that's all in one package, right? But I can tell you it's a disservice if your child that is 10, 11, 12, whatever their ages is, if they say, if they want to talk to you about it, that you just say, I don't worry about it. You know, no, no, let's start. You know, 
If they're eight, it might take you five years, six years to counsel them, right? Whatever it is. But you're serious about it. This is something that we're moving toward, right? Okay, it's important. And they're number two, yes. Excellent. So guide them in the way. You're, you're starting, you're not discouraging them, right? You're, 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 you're starting them off. You're agreeing with them because that's true. Uh, procrastinator testimony. I was a procrastinator for many years before the Lord finally broke me. I knew what I should do to confess to Christ. He called me at about 14 years of age. So it took this soul another 20 years, right? Um, and I don't think of this time as being rebellious. He just never got around to it. It took him a long time to go there. Um, so sometimes it's not rebellion. It's just procrastination. And I'm not saying it's good, but uh, you have to just kind of keep in your head that a lot of people are procrastinators, right? Seek uh, you first. I can think of a couple of useful things my dad used to say. One was the encourage us. Uh, he would always quote the fact that Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto us, marriage, career, everything else, seeking the kingdom. So they, this whole found that it was helpful to have that in his head, in his heart, their heart. Um, and even though they didn't really act on it, it was always there, right? It always it was there. Don't compare. I always appreciated that my dad made it a point not to compare us with other, with other spiritual conditions. Right? Oh, when I was 15, I was baptized already. Where, what, what about you? Right? Oh, look at these, this family over here. Where, you know, comparing ourselves is not wise, right? Comparing ourselves is not wise. Don't compare. You don't push. Dad also made it a point never to push or force conversion upon us. I can remember one vivid instance where he took an elder brother aside, long since deceased, and asked him kindly not to push or evangelize so hard on my behalf. I, I recall feeling very relieved that he did this for me, as I wasn't ready at such a young age to commit. In that sense, I felt protected, and it made me realize how precious being a child of God really must be. Now, you know, as I read this, I think, okay, he didn't push, but this soul took another 20 years. So should he have pushed, should he have pushed? I don't know if this is good or bad, but this is the testimony that I got. Okay? But just keep it in mind. Keep it in mind. It's important. Adamantly. Don't behave adamantly. You know, I know a, um, a father who, it just is, whatever conversation, however it goes, he has an opinion. And it's always his way. Nobody else's way is right. His way. And it's amazing that as his young boy grew up, and he was a great kid, and he was so proud of him, and he, he did so many great things. And in many ways, he was so encouraging. But it was always the father's way, the father's way, the father's way. And as the son came up to be a father of his own, you know what? It's his way. Now, it just so happens that one's conservative, one's liberal, right? The only thing that's the same is the adamant, right? Because this is what they learned. This is what this child learned from his father. He didn't learn to, to look at it strictly. He learned to look at it, you know, more openly. But whatever it is, it's adamant. It's my way. You know, we have the Word of God. It's the Word of God. It's God's way, right? And a lot of time we like to project that my way is God's way. It's one of the same, so therefore I can be adamant about it. But the truth of the matter is that 
this type of attitude and you know this can just pass right on down through the generations it's important to not be known as somebody who is like that you know because your children will be like that and you know two diamonds together they don't they don't do well pray i know my dad pray for me oh and my mom also too for that matter but he could have told me more often that he was doing so i think that would have been an encouragement to me this is just uh, a testimony from somebody who came later they would have liked to know maybe a little bit more <clears throat> consistent spirituality what do you think about this one be consistent with spiritual exercises at home faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god uh, the single most important things parents can do is type of prayer even if it's just reading the bible after dinner so you need to be consistent in how we act and behave and do and such well here's one silence so here's a young soul older soul uh, one huge thing for me was silence. When my mother didn't talk to me for over a year, it did some serious damage. Silent treatment is not the answer in cases like these. Similarly, some of my family members disowned me and told me I was not welcome to their home or near my cousins. This shunning did not have a righteous effect, but it left me feeling lonely, unwanted, and I found love in worldly friends' arms. If my social circles didn't give up on me, perhaps, perhaps, Things would have not gotten so dark. And this will, you know, went, got, you know, sin will take you farther than you want to go, right? And as I read this, and I thought, you know, when that soul is going down that dark path, you don't want them around your kids, right? And you can understand a lot of what went on, but somebody needed to reach out, okay? Um, but for them, it wasn't their parents. And, and they kind of failed, cheated by that. Uh, my dad could not afford, oh, that is an interesting one. My dad could not afford for us to go to Eastern camp or retreats, but surely I would have come to the Lord sooner had I been immersed in such a beautiful spiritual environment like camp, wholesome activities with others, fosters sound spiritual friendships, and encourages fellowship. What do you think about this statement? Okay, we need more, more people, right? You know, um, yeah, there's been discussions, I've had discussions, you know, the emotion of camp, right? Is that a good thing? Do you, you want it, it, Is that a positive, a spiritual thing, or is it just kind of like a flower that blossoms up and it's going to go away? And I know in my experience with camp, I would come uh, probably about 50, I think, I think it took two or three times, right? That I come, I'm, I'm, I'm uplifted, I'm going to do something, I don't do anything. And I do it again, I don't do anything. And you know what? The third time, though, I did something, right? So you don't know what it would have been, yes? It's up to us. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Brother Ryan was saying, uh, he was at Pine Valley, and he was sitting there, and he said, yeah, I don't want to walk all the way to that brother over there. I don't want to make that move. And then he just realized it was just another excuse, right? And so he got up, he made that move. You, we all have to, you know, the souls that stayed back last night, they had to decide to not move, right? One way or another, you've got to make that decision. Um, but uh, this particular soul thought it, it would have been, you know, even though they didn't have it, they thought it would have been helpful. I think it's helpful. Uh, testimony. Let children know that becoming a child of God is not like passing some test. It's a conviction and calling that comes from the Holy Spirit. If we seek him diligently, he will be found of us. So that also goes back. When that soul at the very first 
you know, when he finally turned around and said, okay, it's not my way, it's God's way. What's God? Oh, there he is. He was just right there. God was never far from him. Uh, I want to go back, if I can go back one. You know, there's another thing that is important, and it's not just camp. It's all church activities. Our children need to have hope. What do you mean have hope? Um, they need to have fellowship. They need to have hope in, a, in finding a life partner, right? They need to have hope that there's somebody out there that they're going to be able to you know, share their life with, right? And if you just keep them here, you know, there's no hope there, right? So it's really a blessing to be able to go out and to, not in your schools and at your college, and you know, that's where a lot of people find their, their mates or, or they find them at bars or wherever, right? Um, but to be able to come to our fellowships, and it just so happens that sometimes uh, there's love in the air. What? <laughs> Something in the water. Okay. Okay, this is an interesting one. So this is the same person that felt that his family had rejected him. Uh, and he called it a pseudo-family. One great thing was a consistent, persistent love from his pseudo-family. So keep in mind that sometimes the relationship is broken so hard at home that the parents either don't want to or can't, can't, it's not mendable at this point in life. And so sometimes you can reach out to others as a pseudo-family. Um, that doesn't mean that there wasn't, you know, it was still a family, right? You know, somebody was reaching out, a harsh scolding was rightfully dealt, followed by prayer, sincere efforts, spiritual encouragement, pulling me in, making an effort to initiate was huge. Being there where I was was crucial. I felt uh, you weren't nav- um, trying to push me into change immediately, but rather to help me navigate my then current situation to a better manner. Uh, it meant the world to me that I can open up. So just, I remember I was thinking about, um, you know, I, I have some co-workers. And you know, they're, they're not Christians. And they're living with their significant others. and you know, There's just all sorts of things that God wouldn't approve of, right? And you're tempted to say, hey, you know, why'd you marry that girl, right? But really, the, that's not the problem. Their, their problem is not that they're living in sin, so to speak, but they don't know God. That's their problem. Um, at the forum, Gary's forum, you know, somebody said, you know, um, how do I talk to my lesbian friend? You know, how do I talk to my adulterous friend? I, we have all sorts of friends that aren't living right, but we can still talk to them and, and encourage them. So, in any case, um, you got to meet people where they are. Wherever they are, is that, that is where they are. It meant the world to me that I can open up about anything and everything without feeling judged, whether it was family issues, nightclub, all these different issues. It opened a line of communication where I can tell anything. And, of course, steering conversations to spiritual walk happens as well, but it felt natural and unforced. Right? Un, unforced, sorry. So there's this, you just got to be with people sometimes. And you can't be, you know, we got to solve this today. You know? It might take a lifetime, right? It might take days, weeks, months, years. Um, but... They're not a, a checklist. They're not a box on the checklist. They're souls that need help and encouragement. Okay, last two slides. You can only change yourself. I forget where this quote came from. Don't be yourself. Be someone better. And of course, we say, oh, I can't get there. Don't be better. Be Christ-like, right? 
Any other thoughts or comments as we would end? Okay, thank you.